0: taste some of this this this, omg is the rich eisen show no other way to put it with guest host brian weber oh my gosh live from the rich eisen show studio in los angeles i'm not talking to you i talk to anybody out there the haters rich eisen i talk to the haters right now and now sitting in for rich here's brian weber
1: it is the final hour of the program. Still plenty of time for you to get involved. 844-204-7424 is the phone number. Tweets are picking up, and I understand that. There is a process of you listening if you've been with us throughout the whole program. And I know in Radio for more than a minute. Twitter handles BW Weber. Weber with two Bs. Especially on a Monday, folks cycle in and cycle out. So I am not delusional enough to think that you've been with me every step of the way, but some of you are now picking up the pace on Twitter. I get it. There's the beginning of any show, and hopefully, since I've been lucky enough to fill in for Rich for over a year now, some of you have heard me before, and I have other roles. I don't have to read my entire resume, but if you've not had to endure me, I'll put it that way, I understand when I listen to my favorite show, And there's a guest host. My first reaction is, no! Much like the sound you're going to hear from Manhattan and downtown New York, once we get confirmation of what we know to be true, Miami and Denver in the NBA Finals, no! When it could have been L.A. and Boston. Now, you shouldn't care about ratings. You can argue that Jimmy Butler is more interesting to watch in an NBA Finals showcase setting, what is this guy going to do to top everything he's done already in his remarkable postseason career than what we saw from Boston and Tatum and Brown a year ago, but given the size of those markets, the lack of quote-unquote star power, and I understand how good Nikola Jokic is. I'm not talking about my view and your listening acumen on a big word Monday As a regular, devoted listener to the Rich Eisen Show, if we're thinking about the landscape of NBA ratings, it's casual fans, many of whom could not name one player on the Denver Nuggets, unfortunately. But that's not our problem, because we're hardcore. And coming up in 40 minutes, because it's the Rich Eisen Show, not the Brian Weber Show, here is the irony. Quick sidebar. Irony is misused most of the time. We mean coincidental, but it's always heard in my business. Isn't it ironic? Because it sounds better and more meaningful than isn't it coincidental. But ironically, I'm in the very same studio furnished by Granger where the last version of the Brian Weber show was situated before it got canceled. There's been a lot of incarnations of the Brian Weber show. That have been canceled on several national networks. So it's a huge opportunity to be in for Rich. And it's not the Brian Weber Show. It's the Rich Eisen Show. And I listen every day. I watch the terrific work on the Roku channel. So good. This program is Emmy nominated for the second straight year. That's why you got to put up with me today and tomorrow. Rich and the team in New York for the Sports Emmy Awards. As I mentioned, this show, Emmy nominated. In the category of best studio show, Rich also offered individual honor, nominated as best studio host. I will give you the results tomorrow. Either way, when Rich is in the chair, he talks hockey because he grew up in New York as a hockey fan, because he understands, given the width and the length, yes, the entirety of his platform. It's a massive show. There are a lot of hockey fans out there. So, we're doing 10 good minutes coming up in 40 minutes to wrap up the program with a quality guest, Pierre Maguire, longtime hockey analyst. You saw him on NBC for years, and he is now involved with a brand new project produced by NHL Network. It's called Stanley Cup Central Second Screen Experience throughout all of the playoff games leading up to the Stanley Cup Final. If you want to sound very sharp, NBA Finals. Stanley Cup final. Yes, I need to get a hobby. Won't be Canada. We know that. No Canadian teams in the Final Four. Sunbelt feel to it. We'll talk Vegas, Dallas, Florida, Carolina, and big picture thoughts as well. 15, let's call 20 minutes from now because I'm definitely rambling on the NBA coming up. We'll get back to the football, and I'm not manufacturing ways to cram football in. As I mentioned, I'm talking hockey coming up, so the goal is to be comprehensive. But organized team activities, OTAs, give us in the content creation industry a legitimate reason to talk NFL with players showing up at facilities and talking, so we'll... Also pay homage to Rich and his beloved New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers, over the end of his run in Green Bay, never showed up for OTAs. Now, he didn't have to because he had complete command of the offense. He's been participating with his new club, Gang Green. How should Packer fans feel about that? That's coming up. Let's get back to the NBA. I've tried my best to split the division of labor between The takeaways from a game that was over roughly midway through the third quarter last night in Miami, as the Celtics didn't show up from the outset, down 15 at the half, down 30 after three, they lost by 26 in a flat-out embarrassing, humiliating effort last night. And the word effort is important, because I didn't see a lot of it from Boston. So, with the Heat now ready to get back to the NBA Finals... We saw him there in the bubble against the Lakers, and we saw him there over the years. Going back to Dwayne Wade and LeBron, not one, not two, not three. You can argue, and I think this is commonly accepted, to me this would be the most impressive run of them all. Considering this roster, I am not in any way diminishing the bubble setting. You can make an argument the bubble was the hardest place to win a championship. Now, for the Lakers, it was conducive to their issues because Anthony Davis didn't have to travel, plenty of time for rest and recovery. So it lined up perfectly to maximize his skill set. But this is a Miami team, and I don't get bogged down too much on seating because I follow basketball closely. Hope it shines through. Again, if you don't know who I am, that's okay. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich and I am a radio guy, so I will give you the formatic reset periodically conversation on Twitter is getting good. B.W. Weber, Weber with two B's, probably no phone calls today, but if you want to jot down the number, I'm back with you tomorrow. And also next Monday on Memorial Day, 844-204-7424. I was once the sideline reporter for the Golden State Warriors for four years back when they were horrible, when they were as bad as the Celtics looked last night. So quote unquote, I'm an NBA guy. You know, when I was hanging out with Dr. Naismith. But I love the NBA as much as I love football because it's great theater. And even though last night was largely an unwatchable game, there were interesting developments. Now, it was so bad it was good. And if I was lazy sports talk host, all I would do beyond probably what I drifted into in hour number one of the program is absolutely annihilate the Celtics. And I've done it to a degree, but I also want to give Miami credit because it becomes too tedious and repetitious just to say what we know to be true. Joe Missoula is overmatched. We just had the conversation with Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. When I was giving you my reasoning for why I think Missoula is going to survive, mostly because of vanity from Brad Stevens, the GM who doesn't want to admit he hired the wrong guy after parting ways with Ime Udoka. Kurt also reminded me, Missoula got a contract extension this year. That's how promising the start of the season was. And if you just recap Boston's evolution, this is a team that came on in the second half of the regular season last year, had the outstanding performance in the postseason, led the Warriors to one If Andrew Wiggins doesn't play at the level that he did complimenting Steph Curry Boston wins that series in the offseason they add Malcolm Brogdon so they're a year more experienced they're a year quote-unquote better because typically you got to learn how to win in the NBA playoffs you make the coaching change and here we are so that would be the most simplistic way of connecting the dots you say udoka has gone the defense has fallen apart. That's all on Joe Missoula. And some of it probably is. But this is about the superstars. And Tatum and Brown have showed repeatedly there are questions about how they fit. Now, I don't have amnesia. I realized just a minute ago I mentioned they made it to the NBA Finals. But things shift in NBA locker rooms. We're talking about human beings with the personal dynamic. And there were many reports that Brown was miffed going all the way back to his name being linked to the Kevin Durant trade talk. I'm not saying that's had any direct connection to what's happened to Boston in this series, but something's missing. Because remember how hard they had to work against the Sixers going back to game one in which Harden buried them when Joel Embiid was not available with the knee injury. They had to come all the way back To annihilate Philadelphia in Game 7, Tatum goes off for 51, and casual fans are thinking, okay, is it Boston in four or Boston in five? And if you overlooked Miami, that's your own damn fault because you're not paying attention because this is what Miami does in addition to shocking Milwaukee, but you have to remember that Giannis wasn't 100% because of the back injury. This is a Miami team that truly is a team. And yes, Butler becomes Jordan-esque come playoff time, especially like Jordan when he's given more incentive. What was Grant Williams thinking? Trash-talking Butler in the fourth in game two. How'd that work out for you? But I could spend the rest of the show just going through the litany of troubling failures by the Celtics in this series alone. Tatum, game one, does not take a single shot in the fourth quarter. They give up 46 points in the third to Miami. Go to game two. Boston scoreless for four minutes in the fourth. Tatum traveled not once but twice. So you figure, okay, to quote the great Jim Ross, rock bottom, rock bottom. That's as low as they could go until we saw last night. What's below zero? Negative numbers, I think. I'm Brian Weber, and for Rich Eyes, and I have positive digits to pass along. 844-204-7424 in 30 minutes. We talk playoff hockey with Pierre Maguire. Boston has a lot of explaining to do, and it can't just be Missoula, sitting at the podium, wearing the hair shirt last night, saying it starts with me, team wasn't ready to play. I don't even know what that means. Cliche 101, but I understand what he's trying to achieve. He's trying to shield the media horde, especially in a ravenous sports town like Boston, from his players. But this is on Tatum. This is on Brown, and it's fair to have the conversation. What do you do? In the offseason, in addition to bringing in coaching support for Missoula, putting veterans on that staff, and as Kurt Halen laid out, putting in a direct threat, somebody that if this team hits a rough patch somewhere in the regular season next year, you make the seamless transition. I think it's fair to have the conversation, and we'll do it again tomorrow, getting you set for Miami trying to complete the sweep. What do you do? with Tatum and Brown moving forward because Brown has already been introspective and honest. He had that profile in the ringer a couple months ago when he had the opportunity to remove any ambiguity and say, I want to be a Celtic for life. And he drifted and danced away from a real answer with a word salad. But because he landed on the second all NBA team, now he's in line for a super max. Who's walking away from that money unless Boston decides, okay, we're doing sign and trade and working through the options. going to be fascinating to see what Boston does once the season ends as soon as tomorrow. And for Miami, more of the same. A brilliant coaching mind in Eric Spolstra. Pat Riley guessed right. And it wasn't a guest. He knew how hard Spolstra worked. Spolster started as the videotape guy. He grinded his way into that opportunity. But as cliched as it sounds, Miami is a better organization. Boston's got better players. They have clearly the best roster in this postseason. I went through all of the big names coming back from last year's NBA Finals appearance and the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. But you got a Miami team... That maximizes everyone on the roster. Doing it without Tyler Hero, who broke the hand in the first-round series against Milwaukee. We're seeing a little bit more offensive aggression from Bama. out of bio. How about that play that lit up the internet last night when he did the spin cycle move on Jalen Brown and ripped out his heart in the process? Who is Gabe Vincent, and what is he doing? Scoring 29 points. Well, I know because I follow college basketball here on the West Coast. I'm Brian Weber coming to you from Southern California at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger, in for Rich. I'll check out your tweets coming up in 10 minutes. If they're good, I'll read them on the air. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. But you got a dude in Vincent who wasn't even drafted. Max Struess? Who are these guys? They're a team. And sometimes teams still work, as we saw with the Pistons. 20 years ago when they shocked the L.A. Lakers. This is why Miami is where they're at. And remember, an eight seed only means so much. They were really the six and seven for the majority of the regular season. Messed around, wound up in the play-in gimmick, had a rally. But this was a team that was the top seed in the East last year. And they required the Celtics to go to seven games. And that game came down to the final minute. Missed three by Jimmy Butler, and he's doing it all over again. This time, he's gotten a lot more help from the Celtics, who have donated this series with way too many unforced errors and an overall lack of effort. As for Denver and L.A., going to spend most of tomorrow on those teams, so I want to be judicious. The big words are flowing today. I want to be selective because if you're back with me tomorrow, I don't want to wear you out too much. But watching these games, and I watch a lot of regular season NBA, I love the league pass because, to me, basketball is a great watch. You put it on, two hours, two and a half hours, you see the best players in the world. Plus, I track the regular season, not only because it's my job, right? I'm not looking for you to send me a juice box and an orange slice. I'm not trying to get your adulation here but if you pay attention and I don't do a talk show every day but if you pay attention to the regular season there are takeaways that matter (laughs) come playoff time and here's what matters for Denver they were the top seed in the West for a reason and if you think about where Jamal Murray was before the knee injury a couple years ago he had provided Nikola Jokic with a reliable running mate that had a lot of people thinking Denver was going to win it all in 2021. So credit the tenacity, the the determination of Murray coming all the way back because he has been sensational. Lakers just have not had an answer for him. So we know what a unicorn, what a one-of-one player the Joker is. I can't give you the historical precedent. I'm not calling him Wilt because there's only one Wilt, but he has had performances in this playoff run that we've not seen come from a center since Will Chamberlain. He's been that dynamic. But it's a Denver team that doesn't just need the Joker to go off while they can count on him just about every night because if he's not scoring... 50, he's going to give you a triple-double. But when you can then put Murray on that agenda as someone that you know is going to get his, you got a problem as the opposition, and it's not just the familiar one-two punch. KCP, former Lakers, showing up in a big way on Saturday with 17. Traditionally, it's Michael Porter Jr. playing that third role of the proverbial triangle. Bruce Brown had the what-in-the-world-are-you-doing game coming off the bench against Phoenix. So this is a tremendous team with an outstanding coach in Michael Malone taking on a Laker team that just is not that good. Look, it's a major achievement for the Lakers even to be here. They were 2-8 and eight to start the year. You can't go all the way back and sum up the season that way because everything changed around the trade deadline. For this team to have had the chance to be in all three of the matchups in the fourth quarter, and to me, it really turned on game one. Lakers down 21, and LeBron's got to wear it because he missed free throws, and he missed that late three, down three with less than minutes to go. You get 40 out of AD, a chance to steal home court advantage after rallying from 21 down, and you don't win. There's going to be a problem. Still, the Lakers have the lead for the majority of the game in Game 2. Game 3 on Saturday night, it's tied late. But the Lakers just don't have that third piece, and it's certainly not D'Angelo Russell. He has gotten abused in this series. So if you're a Laker fan wondering about the future, and I'll spend a lot more time on this tomorrow, I think the Lakers win tonight because they'll play with pride. Denver, Is not going to play with their food. They want to close this thing now. But I do think human nature kicks in. They'll be part of a sentiment on that roster. Hey, let's go back home, celebrate with our home fans. And it's going to be electric whenever the Nuggets wrap it up because they've never been to the NBA Finals before. And this was a team that was great in the ABA and has come close in the interesting timing of Carmelo announcing his official retirement today. Got him to the conference finals. But if you're a Laker fan, your concerns are these. LeBron's going to keep playing because he's a cyborg, and he wants to hang on for his son, Bronny, to have a cameo in the NBA. Bronny is a good player. I'm based in Southern California. I even see him on TV at Sierra Canyon High School where he's a rock star. He's committed to playing at USC. But LeBron's going to keep going, although he was mortal this year. With the foot injury, your issue as a Laker fan is this. The window keeps getting tighter and tighter. And this is your roster, barring some fundamental changes in the offseason. This, in my opinion, is as good as the Lakers get. To make it this far is a testament to this team maxing out, along with having the bracket emerge in a very favorable fashion, taking on a dysfunctional Memphis team that has all of their own self-inflicted issues. And I don't even want to go down the John Morant road right now. And the Warriors are also now heading into an offseason filled with ambiguity because Golden State had one of the worst records on the road in all of basketball. And the question for Golden State is similar to that of the Lakers. Who do you count on for the Warriors now moving forward? If you're not just talking about Steph... And to a degree, Clay Thompson, although he had a lousy series against the Lakers, Jordan Poole's contract extension, barred $125 million, is going to kick in in the offseason. And he was MIA, another reason why the Lakers were able to come up with that victory. So, Laker fan, I'm not saying you're done. I think you win tonight, but enjoy what you have going on now because I think it becomes all the more challenging moving forward. We'll get back to that coming up when I'm back with you tomorrow. 844 204 7424. Twitter. You can light me up. BW Weber, Weber Weberwood, two B's in 20 minutes. We wrap it up with gusto talking playoff hockey with Pierre Maguire, the longtime puck analyst. Coming up, just a little bit of football on the docket. OTAs continue across the league as we have off season workouts. That's not important, but we have players. At microphones, talking about their team, so we have NFL conversation in the mix. Do Packer fans have a legitimate gripe that after years of skipping OTAs in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is showing up with the Jets? That's coming up. I'm Brian Weber, always having a good time with you. Whenever I'm in for Rich, it's the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I'm Brian Weber, and I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Winding down today, a lot more to get to. Back with you tomorrow, and then Rich and the team return on Wednesday. Let's hope that they have issues at security at the airport. I mean it this way. Because I once had to do this. If you show up with an Emmy Award, there are points on the wings at the top of it. Yes, this is a long, humble brag. I had an Emmy Award. I still have it, although one (laughs) the wings got knocked off when I moved. 1998 San Francisco Regional Emmy. The team is going after something far more prestigious. Best luck to Rich and the guys in New York for tonight's Sports Emmy Awards. We're talking National Emmy For the second straight year of the program, nominated as the Best Studio Show. That's a tough category. We're hoping for more than just a nomination. We hope they come back with the award because every day when you watch the show on the Roku channel, it looks phenomenal. Outstanding work by the terrific production team. Also, Rich nominated as an individual Best Studio Host. So a lot on the line. I'll give you the results tomorrow tomorrow. And that's then all you have to deal with when it comes to me. Till Memorial Day, but we'll take it one show at a time. The headline is, the guys are back, led by Rich on Wednesday. Talking NFL here, I'll keep it concise because the great Pierre Maguire waits for no man. Long time hockey analyst. For years you saw him. Ringside on NBC. If you miss Pierre, that's why I reached out to him because I used to talk to him all the time on the late, great NBC Sports Radio. You can see him again. He's part of the postseason coverage produced by NHL Network, Stanley Cup Central on YouTube. I'm not telling you you have to watch hockey. I'm not going to try to be a evangelist for the puck. But if you just like sports as a casual fan, there is nothing better than playoff hockey. Coming up, I'll share with you why I became a hockey fan years ago. I'm the former intermission host of the San Jose Sharks. Turn on the red light. All four games that we've seen so far in the respective conference finals have come down to overtime. With the Knights getting it done again yesterday, 2-0 series lead on the Stars. Florida, 2-0 series lead thanks to the heroics of a superhuman postseason from Matthew Kachuk as Florida has been sensational in this run. 2-0 over Carolina, that's coming up. Let's talk some football, because there are things going on. Not just trying to cram it in there. And I know a lot of you would prefer three hours of nothing but football conversation. That's what satellite radio is all about. And we have great relationships with our friends over at Sirius XM. So, for years... Organized team activities were ignored because there's not much going on. But now that football consumes everything in its path. Did you see the tweak on the Thursday night schedule? That team's now eligible to play twice and a handful of teams will show up on Thursday on two occasions. Why? Well, Amazon has written a very big check and the league wants to get better matchups there. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The NFL is a behemoth, and because many of us track it 50 weeks a year, we have that fallow period in June into July. But the NFL seems to give us something to talk about every day. Well, when I'm back with you tomorrow and the rest of the week, Rich is going to have conversations surrounding these OTAs. Players show up. It's not what they do on the field, unless we're talking about guys coming back from injuries. It's all about new additions via the draft or free agency, coaching changes like in Denver, and Beyonce Sean Payton now trying to resurrect the Broncos after clueless Nathaniel Hackett. The biggest story this year heading into the season also dovetails nicely with this program because Rich Eisen grew up a long-suffering Jet fan. I used to go to Horrible games at Shea Stadium, that dump when I was a kid. I grew up about 20 minutes from there. The Jets not only are relevant, they're the team with the number one discussion point surrounding them, with the addition of Aaron Rodgers. So there's a lot of histrionics. There's a lot of consternation in Green Bay. I understand why. And I'm not reaching over to the fill in talk show host handbook that says, come up with this analogy. When a star leaves, it's like a divorce. But we know it to be true because emotions are raw. And Green Bay fans, some of them feel like Rodgers has let them down. But you knew this was coming. This was inevitable. The team clearly wanted to move on from Rodgers, primarily because of his gargantuan salary and because at this stage we don't know which version of Aaron Rodgers is going to show up on the field. I realize it was just two back-to-back seasons of MVP-level play as recently as one year ago. Then the dip last year, although the Packers did rally and was all in front of them. And then your Detroit Lions wouldn't let them advance to the postseason and the final game of the regular season on Sunday Night Football because the Lions became America's team last year. If you don't believe me, check out their primetime schedule. You'll see a lot of the Lions, including the Thursday night kickoff game against the Chiefs. But Packer fans have to take a step back and also deal with the facts. And one of the unfair criticisms I think of Aaron Rodgers, and you can take legitimate shots at him for many reasons. Again, I'm not trying to get political, but I was the biggest Aaron Rodgers fanboy. He lost me with the whole I'm immunized nonsense. And I didn't need to know every detail of the darkness retreat. Some of this stuff is just goofy. But he's still, when healthy and engaged, I think one of the top 10 quarterbacks in football. It comes down to both of those things. Health, you can't control. Engagement, you can And I realize Packer fans who have now another beef with Aaron say, well, he couldn't even be bothered to show up for OTAs when he played for us. And now he's just sticking it to us by running around on a practice field for the Jets. Well, first of all, get over yourselves. Aaron Rodgers is not doing this based on some personal vendetta. This is not trying to dig into your heart deeper with a scalpel. He is showing up for OTAs because he's got to learn a new offense. There's self-interest here. It's not fake hustle. It's not optics. It is motivated by the fundamentals that he's got to learn a new playbook. That's why he's there. Now, you could say he should have been a better leader in Green Bay. I can't argue that because according to a variety of reports, he didn't want to bond with young players. Look, he doesn't bond with members of his own family. Not to get too personal. That seems to be a reflection of his prickly personality. That's who he is. But you can't bury Aaron Rodgers for this. He's got to be there. In addition to showing a commitment to his new team, he's got to figure out this new offense. So, Packer fan, I feel your pain. Remember, other than the arc of Montana into Young in San Francisco, nobody's had the run that you've had since the Falcons couldn't figure out what to do with Favre, who had all of his personal issues then in addition to what's going on in Mississippi now. Favre into Rodgers, the run of a lifetime. You wanted to see Jordan Love, you got him. Last call for tweets. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Coming up, I will wrap up the program with more thoughts on the Lakers and the Nuggets. I think L.A. shows up for one more game. They extend the series. But as promised, playoff hockey continues. Why can't Canada bring the cup home at all another year without a canadian champion in fact no canadian teams in the final fours plus who's the favorite now as it looks like barring some collapses although in hockey a 2-0 series lead is not insurmountable same thing for 3-0 unlike the nba are you riding with the Golden Knights, or are you going with the Panthers? We'll cover it all with Pierre Maguire, longtime hockey analyst. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. It's the Rich Eisen Show.
0: Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O, O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road.
1: Brian Weber, back with you in for Rich Eisen. It's the Rich Eisen Show. Rich and I share many things in common. We work together at NFL Network. We're both from New York, and we're both huge hockey fans. I grew up in the era in which the Islanders had a dynasty, so it is a distinct pleasure to say hello to one of the best in the business, Pierre McGuire, longtime hockey analyst, former head coach of the Hartford Whalers, assistant coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins, You've seen them on NBC, TSN, Sportsnet in Canada, and now you can see them throughout the Conference Finals on Stanley Cup Central on YouTube, produced by the NHL. Pierre, we used to chat back in the glory days of NBC Sports Radio. It is great to reconnect today.
2: Brian, it's really nice visiting you. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: My pleasure, and I want to get the audience fully engaged because casual fans should be watching what's going on with these playoffs. Once more... It's the best product in all of sports. So watching the Golden Knights take care of the Stars yesterday in overtime, moving ahead two games to none in that series. Pierre, this historic trend continues. All four games of these conference finals have gone to OT. First time that's happened in NHL history. Is this as dramatic of a postseason as you can remember?
2: Oh, for sure, absolutely. And one of the things that's really happened is because of the salary cap, which was implemented back in 2005, 2006, that season coming out of the nuclear winter where we didn't have a National Hockey League season, the parity around the National Hockey League has become unbelievable. And so we saw an eight seed so far in this playoff. The Florida Panthers knocked off the number one seed in the East and a record-setting team in the Boston Bruins in seven games. Then they beat Toronto – uh, where most people thought after Boston got beat, Toronto was on their way to a Stanley Cup. They haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1967, and they hadn't won a playoff series since 2004 until this year where they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, Brian, yeah, this, this has been an amazing playoff for the National Hockey League. I know some people are wondering about the TV ratings. I get that because we don't have the biggest markets in there. But the caliber of play, the level of intensity, the drama night tonight has been overwhelming. It's just been phenomenal I'm so proud of the league, so proud of the players in the league, and really, really proud of the coaching staff in the league and what they've been able to do so far.
1: Well said. And Vegas, of course, has been an outstanding story since the expansion year run to the Cup final. And we've known about Jack Eichel since he was the second overall pick in 2015's draft right behind Connor McDavid. Pacing Vegas and scoring during the regular season – Yesterday, impactful. Again, that gorgeous pass in the final. Minutes of regulation setting up the tying goal. Pierre, what does Eichel mean to this club, and what do you like most about his game?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing about Jack is just how fluid he is. He's so quick to puck Loose pucks. Uh, he's strong on the puck. He makes unbelievable plays. You saw that beautiful spinning backhand pass to Jonathan Marshall so, uh, yesterday in the last two and a half minutes of the game uh, to tie it up. He's just—he's an amazingly uh, fun player to watch just because of his skill level and his, the pace that he does things, Brian. So that's fun. Uh, he really is a critically important player, obviously, for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think in the last round when they beat Edmonton, the one thing that was really apparent, he took it as a challenge because Connor McDavid obviously went first in 2015, mm-hmm. as you correctly said. He's a leading player for the Edmonton Oilers. So Jack really took that as a challenge, and you could see – he responded to the challenge unbelievably well, and he's still playing, and Connor's not. So um, it, it's a tremendous story that's being written in Vegas right now. And one thing that's not getting enough attention is what they've done as a management team. George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have done an amazing job building that brand since they became an expansion team five years ago. And it's just it's amazing to watch the development of their product. They've, they've done a phenomenal job. What a great hockey market Vegas is. It's unbelievable.
1: Talking playoff hockey, there's nothing better than also having the conversation to analyze things with Pierre McGuire. Check him out, Stanley Cup Central on YouTube. Tremendous production from NHL Network. Let's jump over to the East. You talked about Florida's story and more late game heroics from Matthew Kachuk. He's been unbelievable with the game winner in back-to-back games in OT. We know about the lineage. We know about his family. <laughs> What makes him so effective when it matters the most?
2: He can affect the outcome of a game in so many different ways. Whether it's with his skill, whether it's with his tenacity, whether it's with his you know physical violence that sometimes he brings to the game. He plays it on the edge. There's no question about it. He can also affect the outcome of a game by intimidating people with some of the things he says. He's an amazingly talkative player in the A's. But the line that he plays on right now, Brian, uh, with Sam Bennett, who came down from Calgary just before Matthew got there in a trade, uh, and Nick Cousins, who's been really moved all, all around the league, he's found an amazing home on the left side on that line. That line has been wrecking havoc on the rest of the Eastern Conference in the playoffs. They did a number on the Boston Bruins. They did a big number on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so far in this series, against Carolina, they've basically got Florida a 2 nothing lead. In the series, because of the heroics of the line, but in particular Matthew. But it's all the different things he can do, Brian, that really affect the outcome of games. And he's so consistent with all those things: his pace, his skill, his physical determination, his nastiness. He, he's just every team in the league needs a Matthew Kachuk. The problem is they don't make a lot. of that's, <laughs> that's the biggest problem.
1: Pierre McGuire, a guest here on the Rich Eisen show. Pierre, we know the players can't look ahead and we know a 2 nothing lead is far from insurmountable in playoff hockey, but let's say things don't change and we're looking at Florida and Vegas in the Stanley Cup Final. What would be your early thoughts on that matchup?
2: Oh, that would be an amazing matchup because they're pretty similar in terms of style of play. Um, the one thing I'd say about Florida that has really separated them from a lot of teams this playoff season, their second periods that's the period of the long change. Um, they have been so dynamic in Florida, they really play to the to the strength of the long line change, and um, they're so smart in how they approach it. Paul Maurice and his staff in Florida deserve a lot of credit for the schematic that they've presented. So. That's one place where I think they've got a bit of an advantage on Vegas um, and also right now in goal. I mean, no disrespect meant that Aiden Hill was playing a goal for Vegas and he's been outstanding, but Sergei Bobrovsky right now has been amazing. He's been absolutely amazing, Brian. And when you consider the first two games this playoff season for the Florida Panthers, Alex Lyon, a 30-year goalie out of Yale University, was a starting goalie, and Bobrovsky was walking from the bench. And then it didn't work out real well for Alex Lyon, and Bobrovsky came in and the rest is history, and he's been phenomenal for Florida. So I'd say the goaltending would probably slide a little bit towards Florida, uh, and then most of the rest of it's pretty equal. It would be, if, if that, and I stress, if I don't want to disrespect Carolina or disrespect Dallas, um, who are two formidable foes too, but if that were to be a Stanley Cup final, it would be a tremendously difficult final to win for either team.
1: Pierre, as I mentioned at the start of the conversation, I've enjoyed your work for years. I always learned something when we would chat periodically on NBC Sports Radio. Great to see you again with the video component. Stanley Cup Central on YouTube. I appreciate you taking the time and enjoy the game tonight.
2: Oh, Thanks so much for having me on, Brian. I really appreciate it. Take care of yourself and uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs. My pleasure. Pierre
1: Maguire. remember him for years. And TNT is doing a very nice job. Now, here's now Brian Weber, media critic. Wayne Gretzky is there because he's Wayne Gretzky and Kenny Albert is a terrific broadcaster, but there'll never be another Mike Emmerich. Mike Emmerich, if you paid attention, had the most phenomenal use of descriptive terms and adjectives as a play by play man in any sport. Now his nickname was doc because he had a PhD. He was that bright and Mike, was a craftsman, and I love the coverage on NBC because of the dynamic between Mike, Eddie Olchek, Pierre down on the ice. Turner's doing a great job, and, and maybe this is all too inside media, but I really do love hockey. Haven't been a part of it professionally in 20 years since I was the intermission host of the San Jose Sharks. That was a thrill of a lifetime because in that era, I'm in my late 20s, 15 years before, 10 years before, I'm watching Gretzky and Ray Borg, and now I'm standing next to him talking to them. Check out all the action. It'll be game three tonight in Florida. Panthers with a 2-0 series lead, as we discussed, thanks to the brilliance of Matthew Kachuk, OT. both those wins coming on the road. And we had two quality conversations as I crank up the self-promotion machine. Really appreciate Pierre taking the time and hopefully – If you noticed, I didn't do a half hour on hockey. That was concise, but I thought filled with insight. Last hour, we took you across the NBA with my pal, Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBC Sports. A lot more NBA coming up tomorrow. Will the brooms be out in Southern California? Don't think so. Not only because I'm based here and I don't drive around with a Laker flag, as I've mentioned a hundred times, I'm originally from New York. I know you can't tell, right? No edge to my delivery. Lakers have been in all three of these games. If you're a Laker, blind, slavishly devoted, you're going to tell me they should be up 2-1. It could be 3-0. LeBron hits that shot down three with a minute to go in game one. Lakers show up tonight, so the series will extend. But we know, unlike hockey, nobody's ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. So we'll spend some more time tomorrow with early preview thoughts on Miami and Denver in the NBA Finals. Tom Brady's back in the news. Hmm? Got to find out by joining me tomorrow. First and foremost, best wishes to the team. Tonight, bring home at least one sports Emmy, if not two. Want to thank Rich Eisen, Bruce Gilbert, all the good people at Westwood One. My pal and our outstanding technical producer, Art Martinez. I'm Brian Weber. We'll do it again tomorrow on The Rich Eisen Show.